You are listening to the podcast of Providence Church in Austin, Texas. We hope this message raises your affections for Jesus and helps you live out the gospel in everyday life. Well, just when you thought we could be done with politics for a little while and, and enjoy the, the, the holiday season, uh, we're confronted with this, this text, this passage from Isaiah chapter 9 with all its talk about government and thrones and nations and, and kingdoms. Uh, ju- just when you thought we could take a month out of this crazy year to just relax and enjoy the coziness of Christmas, uh, the Bible goes and gets all political on us. Isaiah 9 is a political text. It's a political message that came to a people living in politically divided times. A couple hundred years before Isaiah was a prophet, the nation of Israel had split into two parts. There was the northern kingdom of Israel, and then there was the southern kingdom of Judah. And, and, and that's, that's the only reality that the people of God had ever known in, in, in Isaiah's day. Their generation had experienced a divided kingdom. Their, their generation was defined by political division, political dysfunction. And the leaders of both kingdoms had pretty much let the people down because most of the kings in Israel and in Judah were, were bad kings. And now the people were under the threat of being taken over by the Assyrian Empire, which was a cruel, brutal empire that had risen to power in the world and that was gobbling up land all over the world. And they were being threatened by the Assyrians. And so when we come to Isaiah chapter 9, the people were wondering, is there any hope for us? Like, is there anyone who can lead us out of this mess? And Isaiah's answer is yes. A child is going to be born to us. A son is going to be given to us. A leader is coming. I don't know if you've ever thought about the season of Advent as a political season, but it is. Because Advent is about the arrival of a political leader. Isaiah says that the government is going to be on the shoulders of this leader. He tells us that his empire is going to increase uh, forever, and that he's going to sit on the throne of David and rule with justice and with righteousness. When we come to Isaiah chapter 9, we find a people, uh, the people of God, waiting on the arrival, on the advent of a political leader. And what's this leader going to be like? Well, his names tell us what he's going to be like. I don't know if you noticed, but Isaiah gives him a fourfold name uh, here in verse 6. If you look at Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, it says, His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So in the ancient world, whenever a king took the throne, sometimes that king was given additional names. Uh, call them throne names. And, and those names outlined the, the mission of the king. They described what the rule of the king would be like. And that's how this fourfold name is functioning uh, here in Isaiah. These names tell us something about the Messiah. Each of them are significant because they tell us something about who the Messiah is and what the Messiah will do. And, and, and sometimes we ask the question, what's in a name? Well, these names, a lot is in these names. They're very significant. 
right? And so we're gonna take the four Sundays of Advent to look at these four names. We're gonna take one name each week. And today, we're gonna start with the name Wonderful Counselor. What is significant about that name, Wonderful Counselor? Well, first of all, that name reveals our need. The name itself shows us our need. God knows what we need, and he knows that we need a counselor. Now, when we hear the word counselor, um, we, probably, we probably think of like a therapist, right? We think there's like a comfortable couch, there's soft lighting, there's a gentle voice, right? There's a, there's a listening ear and taking notes and Tell me about what was going on when you had that bout with anger. Right? What, was, what was below the surface of your anger? And, and there's something about the idea of counseling that almost soothes us. Uh, but, but when Isaiah says wonderful counselor, he's not thinking about a therapist's office. Uh, he's thinking about something more like the situation room. Uh, you, you know what the situation room is, right? It, it's, the, it's this large conference room in the basement of the West Wing of the White House where the president gathers uh, with his uh, advisors to, to talk about uh, a, a crisis. And he, and he gathers uh, intel and, and, they're, and they're formulating strategies and plans and they're making decisions that'll affect the, the whole nation, or maybe even the whole world. And gathered around the president in that room are counselors, right? advisors, the national security advisor, the homeland security advisor, the chairman of the joint chiefs of staff, that's what Isaiah is talking about when he says counselor. A, a counselor is an advisor who brings strategic wisdom to a situation. Right? A, a good counselor has special insight into a situation, so they are able to offer guidance uh, to help make the right decision. A, a counselor knows what to do. Uh, and, and so any good leader is surrounded by good counselors because they know they don't have all the wisdom in and of themselves that they need. Like even the smartest and most competent leaders need guidance. They need wise counsel. Even King David, who was like the best king that Israel ever had, he needed counsel. He, he had a counsel, counselor named Ahithophel. Listen to what it says about Ahithophel in 2 Samuel chapter 16. It says the counsel, the, the advice, the wisdom of Ahithophel was like consulting the word of God. When you heard from Ahithophel, it was like you were hearing from God himself. That's how the counsel of Ahithophel was esteemed in his day. A good king gets good counsel. Proverbs 11, verse 14. Where there is no guidance, a people falls, a nation falls. But with an abundance of counselors, there's deliverance. Literally, there is salvation for the nation. See, the decisions of the king uh, can make or break a nation. The, the welfare of the people are, are caught up in, in the decisions that the leader makes and, and the character of the leader. So the king needs wise counsel because bad counsel can lead to bad decisions, which affects the nation, which is what's happening with the king of Judah here in Isaiah. Uh, the, remember, Judah is the southern kingdom, and they at this time, they have a king named Ahaz. Uh, and back in Isaiah Chapter 7, uh, we see that two nations had formed an alliance against Judah, uh, the little nation of Syria 
and the, and the nation of Israel, which was the northern kingdom, had, had formed an alliance against Judah and they were threatening to attack Judah. They had come to Jerusalem to wage war on Judah and King Ahaz, the king of Judah, and the people of Judah didn't know what to do. Isaiah chapter seven, verse two says, the heart of Ahaz, the king, and the heart of the people shook like trees before the wind. They were shaking in their shoes. They were so scared. They didn't know what to do. They needed counsel. They're like, what should we do? So God sends the prophet Isaiah to Ahaz, to, to the king, and, and, and basically says, hey, don't be afraid of these two, uh, these two nations that are threatening you. I'll take care of them. Like, I, I got this. Have faith in me because I'm with you. Emmanuel, God is with us. And in, in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 10, God says to Ahaz, listen, if you're not firm in faith, if you're not firm in faith, you won't be firm at all. In other words, if you wanna stand on firm ground, if you wanna make it through this, you gotta trust me. You gotta trust my plan. You gotta trust my counsel and I'll deliver you. That's what God tells him. But Ahaz is foolish, right? He doesn't listen to wise counsel. He doesn't listen to the word of the Lord. Instead, what he decides to do is, is he goes to the king of Assyria. Not Syria, Assyria. Now remember, Assyria was the big dog nation, the big dog empire at the, at the time. They're the ones that are uh, kind of bullying the rest of the world at the time. They're the strong nation. And so Ahaz thinks, well, I'll get help from them. I'll get a strong man on our side to help us. Now this was crazy uh, because Assyria didn't really care about Judah. Right? This would be like a small European nation in the late 1930s seeking protection in an alliance with Nazi Germany. It's like, it's like seeking protection from the devil himself. Right? It's like making an alliance with the devil. That's what Ahaz is doing. But Ahaz thinks, well, look, Assyria is strong. They got what I want. They've got what I need. Obviously, they know how to, to get power in the world, so I'll go to them for counsel. I'll seek their help. I'll seek their counsel. He takes counsel by listening to the ways of the world, right? Might makes right. That's, what the, that's the way of the world. Might makes right. That's how the world works, he thinks. So I'll form an alliance with the mightiest, with, with Assyria. He trusts in his own wisdom rather than trusting in the word of the Lord, which is foolishness. Right? The, the wisdom of Ahaz is foolishness. But isn't it easy when you think about your own life to to attack just like Ahaz, it's so easy to be like him. Like, we know we need counsel. Uh, we, we know that we want counsel, but, but, but sometimes we end up seeking it in the wrong places, right? We, we look around and we want what the world has because it looks pretty good. And, and, and so we look to those who've succeeded in the world. We look to them for wisdom, uh, to, to the rich, the powerful, the smart, the well-connected, right? But if we're not careful, we end up being guided by the ways of the world rather than by the wisdom of God. Uh, or we might do what Ahaz did here. We might seek counsel from people who are just gonna tell us what we wanna hear in the first place. That's what happens with Ahaz. In chapter seven, Isaiah came to, to Ahaz and told him, keep calm, Ahaz. Don't, don't be afraid, don't lose heart because of these two little kings. God is gonna take care of them in due time. God will even give you a sign. Ahaz, just ask for a sign, anything. God will show you that he's gonna take care of these kings. But Ahaz is like, no, that's not the counsel I wanna hear. Ahaz is like, I'm not interested in trusting in someone that I can't see, God, to do something eventually. 
He's like, no, I'm going to trust in someone I can see, Assyria, a, a strong nation who, who will do something right now, right? So instead of following wise counsel, Ahaz listens to counsel that he just, that just affirms what he already, already wants to hear. He's basically just listening to himself, which is foolishness. Now, we need to know uh, that we are facing enemies in life uh, that are much stronger, much more dangerous than little old Syria and Israel. Like we, we have sin and death and Satan allied uh, against us. And, and we need someone who knows what to do with that kind of crisis, don't we? We need a counselor. We need wise counsel, someone who can guide us in wisdom through the complexities and the hostilities of the world. We need a counselor, and God knows that. The name Wonderful Counselor reveals our need that we need a counselor. But it also uh, does something else. That name also describes God's provision. Right? God provides someone uh, who will meet our need, and, and his name uh, describes him. It says he is wonderful. It's a wonderful counselor. Now, wonderful is a word that we use a lot around Christmas time. At Christmas, everything's wonderful. It's the most wonderful time of the year. We, we watch It's a Wonderful Life. We're like, those Christmas cookies were wonderful. Uh, and so for us, wonderful is, is just kind of a sentimental, feelings-driven word. It's an adjective that we use to describe when something is, delights us or inspires us in, in some way. But here's where our English translation of verse 6 missed the mark a, a little bit. In, in the original language, in the Hebrew, wonderful is not an adjective, it's actually a noun. So in the original, it doesn't say he's wonderful. It says he's a wonder. He's a wonder. It's not what he's like. It's who he is. He is a wonder. And to say he's a wonder means he's a miracle. It means you can't explain. He's unexplainable. He's supernatural. You can't account for him. That's what it means that he's a wonder. Isaiah captures the wonder of who he is uh, right there in verse 6. Look at the beginning of verse 6, Isaiah 9, 6. He says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. So on the one hand, he's born, meaning he's fully human. He was born of a human mother just like you and I were. But on the other hand, he's a son who's given, meaning he's given by God. Now, we ought to think of Psalm 2 when we hear this, because in Psalm 2, God says, you are my son. Today, I have begotten you. Uh, Or in the words of the Nicene Creed, we could say that the son is God from God. The son is light from light. The son is true God from God true God. He's begotten. He's not made. So Jesus is born to us as a human, but he's also given to us by God. He's begotten of God. He's the God-man. He's the man who is fully God. That's not just wonderful. That is a wonder. It's unexplainable. You can't account for that. And Isaiah tells us uh, that this, uh, this wonder of God is the perfect counselor. 
because he's the wisdom of God. He's not only the wonder of God, he is the wisdom of God. Isaiah tells us later in chapter 11 that this king will have the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. He, Isaiah says he won't judge by what he sees with his eyes, and he won't decide by what he hears with his ears, meaning he doesn't base his counsel on the appearance of things. He, on how things look or how things sound. That's not what he bases his counsel on. His counsel comes from a deep well of eternal, omniscient wisdom. Colossians chapter two, verse three, says this. In Christ are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, meaning every bit of wisdom you could ever want about anything is found in Jesus. He's the wonderful counselor, right? Because he is the very wisdom of God. But here's where we get tripped up sometimes. I know I get tripped up like this. Uh, the wonderful wisdom of God sounds like foolishness to the world. And so sometimes it sounds like foolishness to us too, even as Christians. Like King Ahaz is experiencing a crisis. Like he's in a terrible situation. And so he needs strong help. He needs strong counsel. And, and, and so Isaiah comes to him and, and says, God, God will provide you with a wonderful counselor. A child will be born to you. And I imagine Ahaz was like, a child? Like that, that's the counselor? Like a kid? You're sending a kid to me? You gotta be joking. I don't know if you've ever tried to be counseled by a child. Have you ever sought counsel from a child? Have you ever sought financial counsel from like a six-year-old little boy? Like, Dad, listen, I think we ought to invest all our money in Legos, right? That's, that's where the real value is. Uh, I think we need to go all in. That's the future. We're, we're going all in on Legos, right? You would never seek financial counsel from a child. That would be foolish. We don't seek counsel from children. And, and Ahaz thinks, well, this sounds foolish. So Ahaz goes with a strategy that seems more wise in, in, in the eyes of the world. He goes with a time-honored strategy. And his strategy is, if you want to win, then join a winning team, right? Like, like if you want to dominate your opponents, then form an alliance with a dominator. And that's what he does. He runs to Assyria for help. He runs to Assyria for counsel because Isaiah's promise honestly sounds pretty weak and pretty foolish. A child, really? Come on, what are we talking about? But Ahaz, I think, misses the fact, he misses the description of the counselor. He, he misses the fact that the counselor whom God is gonna provide will be a wonder. He'll be an unexplainable miracle. He'll be a counselor who defies the ways of the world. He'll be a counselor who turns the world's wisdom upside down, right? Who brings salvation, not by coming in strength, but in weakness as a baby. And not by coming in riches, but in poverty, right? Not, not, not through power and position, but through humility. This counselor will deliver his people, not by taking the lives of his enemies, like the king of Assyria would, uh, but by giving his life away, laying down his life on the cross. And the cross looks like a foolish strategy. Out of all the strategies to defeat your enemy, this looks like the most foolish one. To die on a cross as a common criminal, that's what we're gonna do, that's our plan, that's our counsel, that looks like foolishness, but actually it's God's wise, eternal plan. It's according to the counsel of his will, it talks about in Ephesians 1. I want you to listen to 1 Corinthians 1, 
It says, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. It looks like foolishness to the world. But to us who are being saved, it's the power of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom. And the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. And then listen to 1 Corinthians 1 verse 30. It's because of God that you are in Christ Jesus. And Christ has become for us wisdom from God. Christ has become wisdom from God. That is, he's our righteousness, he's our holiness, he's our redemption. See, the redemption that Ahaz was looking for and that we're looking for, which is just deliverance, deliverance from sin, deliverance from death, deliverance from Satan, that deliverance came through a child, right? Who, who was one day condemned to die as a common criminal, right? Salvation came to us through the cradle and the cross of Jesus. That was the path of salvation. And you can't explain that. Like, you can't account for that kind of wisdom. You can't explain it. We would have never come up with that kind of wisdom, with that path of salvation. And so God knew that we needed a counselor, so he provided a wonder. He provided a wonder. The name Wonderful Counselor reveals our need. We need a counselor, but it also describes uh, God's provision. He's a wonder. But finally, uh, that name Wonderful Counselor, uh, I think calls for a response. It calls for a response in us. How do we respond to this Wonderful Counselor? Uh, Ray Ortland says that Jesus has the best ideas and strategies, so we should follow him. <laughs> that makes total sense to me. Like We should follow him. That should be our response to the wonderful counselor. Now, to follow him means to trust him and to obey him. We trust him and we obey him, meaning we rely on his counsel and then we, we heed his counsel. We, we abide by his counsel. So first, we can trust his counsel. right? And, and, and in fact, there's no one whose counsel is more trustworthy because Jesus is uniquely poised uh, to give us perfect counsel, isn't he? because he's perfectly human and perfectly God simultaneously. And, and so as God, Jesus knows everything about us. He knows everything about us as God. Psalm 139, listen to these words uh, as a prayer to God in Psalm 139. God, my frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. God, your eyes saw my unformed body. God, all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Isn't that awesome? Like God knows everything about your life and my life, so his guidance is perfect. Jesus is God. He knows everything about our life. His guidance is perfect. We can trust it. But Jesus is also human. And as a human being, uh, he can perfectly identify with us. I, the book of Hebrews says he's able to sympathize with our weaknesses. Like he's been tempted in every way, just like we have, yet without sin on his part. And so Jesus knows what it's like to be afraid. He knows what it's like to be opposed. He knows what it feels like to be betrayed. He's heard the tempter whisper in his ear. He knows what it's like to be hungry and heartbroken and, and, and despised. So the counsel of Jesus doesn't come out of a vacuum. It doesn't come out of an ivory tower. It comes from lived experience, doesn't it? He lived just like you and I did, right? And he's actually the only one who perfectly navigated uh, life in this broken world. So we can trust his counsel. We can trust him. But we should also obey his counsel. 
That's what it means to follow him too. Not only trusting his counsel, but obeying his counsel. I want you to hear a few, uh, a few verses here from Luke chapter six. Uh, in Luke chapter six, Jesus has just given a sermon. It's very much like the Sermon on the Mount from Matthew. Uh, it's very similar to it. So it's a very important sermon in Luke chapter six. And this is how Jesus wraps up the sermon. He's just given words, counsel uh, in, in many ways. And this is what he says at the end of the sermon. Jesus says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I tell you? Like, why are you gonna call me Lord? Why are you gonna say I'm like Lord of your life, but then you don't do what I say? Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I'll show you what he's like. He's like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when a flood arose, the stream broke against that house and could not shake it because the house had been well built. But the one who hears my words and does not do them is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. And when the stream broke against it, immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was very great. What he's saying is, um, my counsel to you, my word to you, is the perfect architectural plan to build your life on. But it's no good to you if you don't follow the plan. Right? If, you, if I give you my counsel and my words, but you don't follow it, it's no good to you. And listen, we can follow him. He has schemed and strategized against the strongest of enemies, and he's come out victorious. So we don't have to scheme and strategize anymore. Like, we can trust in his wisdom. He knows how to win. He has walked through the valley of the shadow of death, and he's, and he's made it safely to the other side, right? So, so, so we don't have to find our own way through this dark, uh, confusing world anymore. Like, we can go to him. He'll, he'll show us the way. He'll guide our steps. Thy word is a lamp, to my feet, it's a light to my path. His counsel is good counsel. He is a wonder of a counselor. And we should seek him in his word and we should wonder at who he is. Let's thank him. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Providence Church. For more resources and info, visit us online at www.providenceaustin.com.